Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, it, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Good afternoon, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy, episode 11 to be exact. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, joined by my good buddy, Adrian. Say hello, Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> I just flew in and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, good. <laughs> Welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> Oh man. So I must say this may be my first and only time podcasting in a three piece suit. Well, well look at that. You got all dressed up for this, did you? All dressed up for this, yep. <laughs> Actually I'm coming to you from a fancy hotel up in New Hampshire, uh gearing up for my company's Christmas party, so Nice. How fancy how fancy is the hotel? Uh well the company dropped two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on this party. So it's pretty fancy. <laughs> and there is there goes my four oh one K. There it goes. <laughs> yep. Uh but yeah, so unfortunately gonna be a somewhat short cast tonight, but uh we promise we'll come back at you with a uh, full length next week. Well, we'll see how it ends up anyway. Yeah, I may just miss the party, who knows? <laughs> uh, um Wow, so so yeah, so you this is, we are actually going via satellite then in a sense. Yep, via satellite. Some uh some actually decent hotel uh hotel internet service. I was surprised how easy it was. Yeah, it actually sounds pretty decent. What's the what hotel is it? Uh I'm at the Radisson. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Well, that's better than the hotel I stayed at in New Jersey. Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> don't go out after night. Uh, well, yeah, something where I'll just bring my own sleeping bag and sleep on somewhere other than the bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, yeah, since we have some limited time, let's get right into it. Did you see the list, uh, top 16 from the SCG? Oh, my uh, God. Are you kidding me? I was just, yeah. I, I think, are we, uh, I'm wondering if we're actually thinking about the same thing. I just, I was just looking at the top 16. Yeah, out in Portland, it was crazy. <laughs> it is a very, very interesting, uh, top 16. Uh, you know, for one thing, Maverick won, which I haven't seen Maverick, you know, I haven't seen Maverick top 16, let alone top 8, in probably about a year now. So okay. I was pretty surprised Maverick won. But, you know, we spoke about it uh, on an earlier episode, how we saw them winning a bunch of the invitationals. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe Maverick's coming back. I mean, I missed the guy. So, <laughs> yeah, it should be good. Um, list doesn't look that different from the list that uh, were popular before it kind of fell out of favor. The notable, you know, Spirit of the Labyrinth, but that's kind of obvious. Uh, people have been playing around with that, especially in Death and Taxes, so not too surprised to see that. But other than that, it looks pretty stock, so. Okay, I well, I, w- I want to interrupt you there, cause I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think that this thing looks stock. Did you see Brad Nelson's deck? 
Oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, the Brad Nelson's deck is in stock, but I was just talking about the, the, the <laughs> Just yeah. the Maverick list is pretty stock. But oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's notable in itself, but then, yeah, just the rest of the top 16 is absolutely crazy. Brad Nelson, yeah, if you want to go off about that, <laughs> go off with Just Guy Ascendancy. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's... I, I, I was curious if anybody was actually going to put something together in Legacy for it, and... This looks this looks fun. This looks so like oh, this looks like such fun. I can't get away with it. I'm sure. Um, but when I, I, you know, I don't normally look up. All right, so all right, I'm going to tell you a story on how I even got there. Um, what did what did you play Sunday? Um, well, do we want to do that, or do we want to just finish the Star City thing? Yeah, sure, whatever. All right, go ahead. Um, but yeah, because I was just noticing with the with Just Guy Ascendancy, it's pretty much almost exactly the same as the list they were running in Modern, if you saw any of the Modern champs. Um, this Fate Stitcher Just Guy Ascendancy list popped up there, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting, but they basically just added in Force of Will and Brainstorm and made it into a legacy list. No, uh, so. Mental Note's not Modern Legal, right? Uh, mental notes, no, but, um, what is it, uh, Thought Scour is, so I think, they, okay. I mean, they, they're still running for Thought Scour, I think they just realized Thought Scour is just one of the best cards in the deck, so they wanted to run another one, hmm. um, but I mean, the list, you know, there's a couple variations, you know, like the, the Fairy Conclave and stuff, actually, no, Fairy Conclave was modern legal, too, uh, or is it, maybe? Uh, the one I have, uh, I think it was just in, um, or what is it, Urza something um, or other? No, no, it was it was in tenth edition. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so it is actually uh modern legal. So the list is, you know, pretty pretty similar to the modern list, but mm-hmm. it, it's pretty interesting. I'm I'm i I'm thinking it's just a flash in the pan. I I haven't seen the list in action, I didn't really get to see much of the coverage. Um so it may be something, but I it definitely needs to make a few more placements before uh, you know, it kind of gets any respect. Sure, sure, sure. I was, I was just uh, excited to see somebody actually did something with it. Yeah, but I mean, even besides that, there's plenty of other like little, really interesting things like Shardless Bant, uh, top 16s. Oh, did um, it? Yeah, running, you know, Shardless Agent, Thought Profoundry combo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shardless Agent into Stoneforge Mystic is pretty boss. Um, no. I'm still not the biggest fan of it though, just because Ancestral Visions just feels like a worse, uh, Treasure Cruise. Well, sure. I mean, you're, you're now who who piloted Shardless Bant? Because I'm not seeing that. Uh, Neil Henley. He took it to 11th. Oh, okay, um, Bant Agro is what. The yeah, I wonder if he's a local player. I haven't really heard of him before. Hmm. Um, I mean, I got to imagine, and this is one of the things I was thinking about anyway. He, he's no. Is he? He's not playing Rest in Peace in the main. Okay, and he's not playing um, on the well, sideboard yeah, either. He can't run Rest in Peace running Thopter Foundry. Okay, yeah. All right, valid. All right. My, I guess my, my thoughts were, when I see Shardless Bant, a lot of times I'll see, I was imagining Rest in Peace anyway. And then you, yeah. then well, you, you make their, um, you know, Treasure Cruise starts to cost eight, but Ancestral Vision still is value. Yeah, it's, the thing with that though is, um, shutting them off is not as valid as, uh, Thought Refoundering them out, just cause Thought Refoundering gains you life too, in all, in those, uh, matchups. Yeah, right. So he, he went with the Relic of Progenitus instead, because okay. mm-hmm. that way he can still target their graveyard while, um, still keeping his graveyard safer, uh, Thought Refoundry, and mm-hmm. he can always pop the Relic of Progenitus whenever he has the Sword of Meek in play and not have to worry about it. Right. I do want to start doing something with Shadless Agent again. This is probably 
uh, one way to start looking because this, I, I, you know, and noticing it and watching it before too. Shardless Agent into Stoneforge Mystic and grab a batter skull seems so good. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, the deck's pretty awesome. It's just really unfortunate that Ancestral Vision got outclassed, because otherwise I would be sleeping up this deck in a heartbeat, uh, especially the one on Misdirection. That, that, uh, that tickles my phone, funny bone there. Yeah, I, I, I like, I want to start playing more Misdirection, because I seem to be seeing more Abrupt Decay. You know, um, Abrupt Decay is actually on the downfall. Sure, uh, but I'm still seeing it too often. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of just one of those things. I mean you'll you'll always see Stoneforge Mystic, whether it's more or less, it's always there. But overall, I feel Abrupt Decay is kind of on the down uh, downfall, just because Bug Delver isn't the top tier deck anymore. Uh, sure. Blue Red and then Blue White Red have pushed it out. Uh, sure. There's. Uh... Um, speaking of it, though, did you see that Bug Delver list that uh, top aided? Because no. even that's really interesting. No. Um, so first of all, in the top eight, there's a shardless bug in mm-hmm. the top eight, mm-hmm. coming in sixth, and then also in seventh is a regular uh, bug delver. Though regular isn't really the right word because instead of tarmogoyfs, it's running death shadow, yeah. which I think is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It, it definitely looks like it's a budget list because he's running uh, Ravnica duels instead of regular duels. Okay. So I, I think it may have just been a uh, budget choice over anything else, but it's still funny that he, you know, this kind of just goes to show that you don't need to have an optimal build in Legacy. You know, the the modern cards are getting to the power level where they can easily compete with uh, Legacy cards. So it's okay to run a watery grave if you don't have that extra uh, underground sea. Well, no, it's, this is it's this, not ideal, but no, you can do it. There's a second purpose to that, though, Jerry. What? Well, you you pay two for the sh- all right. So you crack a fetch. Oh yeah, for the death shadow. Yeah, yeah, I mean he he definitely he definitely optimized death shadow in that regard. But I still feel it looks more like a budget list, and he he's just very smart and took advantage of that budget list reason. But it I still don't think this is an optimal build by any means. Hmm. I mean maybe I mean he, he may just be a stone cold genius if that's the reason why he was doing it, and I'll give him all the all the respect. Uh, for that, but the the fact is, he's still running uh, regular duels. He's running two underground, one trop. Right, no bayou. Uh, no bayou, but he is running a overgrown tomb. He's running a watery grave, uh, and he's running a breeding pool. Yeah. So I mean, if he yeah, so it it gives him the, the option to ramp the death shadow up, and he can always recoup the life off the death right shaman anyway. It actually yep. it looks so it looks pretty cute. I know you know Aaron. I've, I've played in, in modern against Aaron. He's done a lot of. Uh, Death Shadow <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Quick tricks I'm gonna crack a fetch Grab a shark Thought sees you Death Shadow <laughs> Right Exactly um, And then also the other Interesting piece is He's running a Sultai charm I saw that I wonder yeah. how that is um, I don't know If Sultai charm Is good enough For Legacy The fact that Demir charm Is just barely good enough Kind of pushes me Into thinking Sultai charm isn't I, You know what I think I mean and uh, just Just looking at it Briefly Is um you know, Sultai Charm at least gives him, you have to float a three drop with miracles in order to stop this from taking out the counterbalance for one. Um, but it's so versatile where your monocolor creature is your goif or yeah, but your germ if, token or whatever. Yeah, I guess you, you could kind of use it as the fifth abrupt decay. Um, yeah, but I almost feel he is running the Golgari Charm too. Yeah. I'd almost rather a second Golgari Charm, I mean, if he's that worried about it. 
Well, yeah, it's, I think it's just the versatility of the card itself. Um, yeah, it, def- it definitely is versatile. The fact that it, it can also just draw two cards and then discard a card. Yeah. That's pretty nice. And then it also says destroy target goif on it, <laughs> which is typically a hard one uh, for a lot of decks to deal with. This guy's, this guy's death shadow is going to be cute if he... Oh man, if he, because yeah, he's got the ability to crack a fetch, grab a shock, a taxi, and probe you, and then thought cease. Oh my god, that's gotta be, that's gotta be ridiculous. Yeah, until the problem is he goes, get taxi and probe, and his opponent reveals mountain, mountain, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, fire blast, <laughs> for, uh, pyro blast. Sure, sure. And like, you kill his creatures and he gains the life back with the scavenging moves. It just seems really, it seems like it's, uh, and it's definitely an interesting build. It's yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting. interesting. Build. Yeah. I definitely give him props. It's definitely a smart build. Whether he intentionally did it this way or it's a budget list, he definitely took full advantage hmm. of all the things he had available, and you know, definitely worked at it. It's kind of Travis Wu's quote. Um, you don't ever want to run a card just because it's cheaper. You're gonna run a cheaper card because it's better. Right. You know what the 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 one I mean, and this is ju- this is just me and my preferences. Um, yeah, you know, he's got a Sylvan Library there, and just for me, like Sylvan Library is something that I really like to play with Shardless Agent, and I don't like to play with much else. I mean, the card's awesome. It's it's just. Um, like, I don't know, maybe it's just full value off it. Yeah, I mean, there's some matches where it's just, like, the best card, like, against Miracles or Sneak and Show or any deck where your life total doesn't matter because it basically reads okay. one goal is one green, draw four cards. Okay. Uh, which is awesome. Also, the fact that it pumps Death Shadow is also something... Oh, different. yeah! <laughs> yeah, so... That's definitely awesome, but I definitely see what you oh mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I see what you mean, because I also feel it's it's never something I really want to draw against, like, Rug or Blue-Red Delver or something like that, just because it takes way too long for you to get value off of it. I, w- and I would hate to see it in my hand against Tinfins. Yeah, well, uh, I'd run it against... Oh, if you're running Tinfins? No, 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 no. Like, you know, if, if I'm playing against... If I'm playing against a, a fast combo deck, I don't, wanna, I don't want my two casting costs to... Set up my next three. I want. I want to be able to just have permission in hand consistently, you know, or hand yeah. disruption. And like, to, yeah, to, I can to, see it else. To spend the mana to not have that, but to have that set up for the potential turn after that, if I have a turn after that. Right, I definitely see that. Also, even any Tendrils of Acne deck, I can definitely see that because there are those times where the difference between you losing and winning against Tendrils is two life. Yeah. They just can't get that one last spell, and activating a Sylvan Library just once, that just means there's two less Storm Count that they have to do, so you're making their job that much easier. Mm-hmm. But against, like, kind of the slower combo decks, like Elves or Sneak and Show, which just win in one turn, and your life total doesn't really matter that much up until that point, and which take a few turns to activate, it's one of the best cards. And it's probably at its best against Miracles. Like, Miracles hate Sylvan Library, because... They don't really have very many. They have, you know, Council's Judgment and maybe a Disenchant in the sideboard to deal with it. Oh, Rare and Terror, right. Right, and it's just one of those cards that let you keep up with uh, their uh, Sensei's Dividing Top. Oh, it, yeah, it, okay. It gets that much better over time because you're not uh, paying mana to activate it. So, okay, and that, that actually almost... Um, we'll bring that up after, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... It, it's it's Sylvan Library is one of the best cards you can run against a Miracles opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've talked to numerous Miracles opponents, and it's the card that they say they're most afraid of. Mm. 
<laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy Star City. So definitely nice to see some uh, interesting builds. Uh, I wonder if it's the fact that it's it's on the West Coast in Portland, which doesn't really have the biggest uh, legacy scene. So there's probably just a lot more brewing going on out there just because people um, you know, don't really have the exposure as much as we do out on the East Coast. I I, I do love seeing that Jeskai Ascendancy deck. Yeah, and that is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, and... Uh, uh, bring it back a little local. <laughs> yeah, a little local. Yeah, we had our uh, local shindig on Sunday. Uh, how'd you end up doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Not too good? <laughs> well, um, uh, all right. So, now, all right, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, there was a guy there with some s- sick proxies. Who was uh, that? Yeah, th- yeah, that's my buddy Nick. Yeah, I was talking to him. We want to start up a uh, a vintage league in the area uh, because he's getting into the whole proxying, making just you know de-inking foils and uh, printing on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a kind of a weird catch twenty two where we want to start this uh, vintage league, and the way we start the vintage league is getting these you know power proxies in people's hands so we can play with them. Mm-hmm. But because they're proxies, he refuses to sell them for good reason. Mm-hmm. You know. Cop- laws and all that, and, you know, artistic rights, and mm-hmm. he says, I will not sell them, so we can only trade for them, and I've noticed this uh, kind of psychological response players have, where they will gladly pay money for a fake card, but they won't trade real cards for a fake card. Hmm. So if someone asks you, it's like, I'll give you this, you know, this awesome, sick, completely foil-altered uh, Black Lotus for $10. A lot of people would say, yeah, I'll do that. I know I would. Um, but if they also say, I'll trade you this completely sick altered foil Black Lotus for, uh, you know, like a copy of Sensei's Divining Top, that for some reason just is causes a mental block in people where they just don't want to do that. Hmm. You know, it's not even about like, like dollar value. It's just, it's, it's kind of this weird psychological response. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he had some, so he had some interesting art, but he ended up being my round one opponent. So, so, I, you know, I had, I had a few decks with me to choose from, and before anything started, I was sitting with, uh, Kate, and I was playing my elf deck, just, Mm -hmm. just because I wanted to play something. And, um, and somebody walked by and they're like, oh my god, another elf deck. Jeez, maybe I should switch. Or something like that. Yeah. So my round one opponent, and I, I wasn't intent on playing elves. I, I was just, um, I just, you know, I've had it together, and since I got some cards at the Grand Prix, I figured I wanted to get a little practice with it. I haven't played it in a while. Anyway, so I sit down round one, and I'm like, I just really want to play Ten Fins. I, I just really want to play Ten Fins, and I'm thinking, like... Get out the crack, Adrian. I know. Get out I, the crack. I'm like, well, you know, i I, I got to play something else, so I had the third deck with me. So I open up Blue-White Land still, and I shuffle it up, and I'm like, all right, well, let's see. Let's see, let's see what we're doing here. And I, I look at my seven cards... And it's not the worst, um, but I did look at these cards going, why am I... Wait, you're, you're on blue-white land, still not elves? Right, so... Yeah. Okay, oh, so you were just testing with elves? Yeah, I was just playing with elves just to kind of shake some dust off. Uh, okay, and then but you actually ran blue-white uh, control in the actual tournament. Right, right. Okay, cool. So so, so I'm thinking, all right, my opening hand, I got, I got forcible counter if it's a quick, fast combo deck anyway or whatever. So, but I, I open these seven up, and I'm thinking, like... Why am I playing this deck? <laughs> like I hate this deck. And um and he starts with a Misty Rainforest, Get a Bayou, Death Right Shaman. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. 
to, let's 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 go into well all right you already know the answer to this so I was gonna say let's go into uh, uh, I mean that's a classic elves play I mean well that's also bug- a classic shardless bug play yeah I'd I'd be more likely to put them on uh, elves than shardless bug because most elves list will run three or four bayous whereas shardless bug will only run one or two. Uh, bayous because they favor the tropical islands and underground seas because they're more blue heavy. Sure, sure. So I would just say probability wise, it's more likely to be elves. Yep, based off the based off the duel that they grab. Right, but right. yes, yeah, especially if it's a fetch because there's not really any real reason for them to grab a bayou over an underground or a trop because that sh- that shuts them off of uh, ponder or brainstorm the next turn. Yep. So. So, uh, but I'm thinking, all right, maybe he's on bug, so I'm gonna have to worry about abrupt decay later on, and and just trying to hold him back from ramping things out. And mm. um, I think it might have been turn two. He cast glimpse of nature, which okay. I, I countered. <laughs> yep. And then he cast another glimpse of nature. <laughs> and so he he beat me fast. Um, you know, he he managed to get enough creatures out. And I managed to land, uh, you know, energy field, rest in peace, um, to which he just uh, green sends Zenith up the Reclamation Sage. Yeah, is it is this Nick uh, the one with the foil altars? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't really. Uh, he's a very, very good elves player. He's been playing it for a long time. He actually, sure. uh, and the, he actually, he beat Reed Duke at one of the SCGs. Um, you know, he's day two. He day two the GP. So sure, he, he's no slouch. Sure. And the other Nick, who's also no slouch, was also there playing elves. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that was two, two of the better elves players in the New England region were in that room that day. So, <laughs> but my. My thing was like, you know, I'm, all right, I'm going to play Blue White Land still, and I see Elves, and I'm thinking, there's there's no way I'm going to get Humility out before he does ridiculous things. Right. And, and of course, I didn't get a Humility out before he did ridiculous things. And uh, the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I just wish I was playing Ten Fins. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, Ten Fins eats Elves for breakfast. <laughs> uh, now, Nick um, feels that Ten Fins is a buy for Elves. But uh, he, Nick is wrong. <laughs> but I've never lost to elves with tin fins. I've, they, I've lost to Nick with tin fins with his elf uh, deck. Uh, I mean, it's probably about ninety ten. Yeah, uh, tin fins is a solid two turns faster than elves, and elves doesn't have counter magic, so tin fins literally just goes off. If you know your opponents on elves, you can comfortably mull to the turn one win, knowing that there's no force of will or daze or anything in their hand. Right, but if you've, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen him. Like, he, his elf deck, he will crop rotate out of Bajukabog. Yeah, they can get tricky, and, but yeah. crop rotating, like, that's still nowhere near the complexity of going up against a deck that's running free counter magic. No, but he does a lot of hand disruption after that. But yeah, I mean, I need to turn one kill against elves if he doesn't have surgical. Anyway, anyway, so, so, the point was five elf decks, I just wanted to be playing ten fins, and instead I played blue white land still. Um, mm. and every, every game was just, and I can't, I can't say every game. Um, almost every game was just, Miserable to play. Like I just I hate the deck, uh, so I, I've dismantled it. Um, but my last match was actually fun and funny because I knew um, what my opponent was playing. And so the last round of the day, anyway, I'm playing Dan, and I, I had been watching. I knew Dan was playing the blue red landstill list from oh from Edison. the GP. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew yeah. I knew it was going to be a landstill mirror. Mm-hmm. But I start the game with, you know, Tundra and Volcanic Island, which I was playing two weeks ago from doing Patriot Stoneblade. Right. So he's not terribly sure. 
you know, he doesn't exactly know what I'm doing. I just keep I'm brainstorm, ponder, counterspell your thing. Um mm-hmm. and then I land a standstill. And suddenly it starts to like you know, now, now we realize it we're both playing standstill. Uh, mm-hmm. um he has the extra man land in Fairy Conclave. And uh it's all about the man lands. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the man lands and game two, it's all about realizing take out humility in the mirror match. <laughs> it doesn't, yes. doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I had it in my hand and I'm like, this is just so terrible, you know, and, and but it was funny. It was it was it was the game that I enjoyed the most out of the whole day. Um and and I think what was even more classic about the decks themselves was at the very end uh, that the the guy organizing the tournament, Nate, um, just walked by. He's like, "Just sign the sheet when you guys are done. You guys are the last match that's playing." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We uh, we split top four before you guys finished. Yeah. <laughs> so so it was um it was pretty silly. Did you make top four? Yes. Yeah. I had a pretty good tournament. Um, I ran a version of Rug Delver, kind of based on uh, the one that Bob Hung uh, posted in his uh, Channel Fireball article, talking about the GP. Yeah, we were talking about uh, that last week with the stifle. Knot, yeah, right? yeah, the stifle knot package. So I really liked it, um, just basically because it's still a Rug Delver list, just running Dreadnought. So uh, the creature suite was four Delver, uh, four Tarmogoyf. Two young pyromancer, two Phyrexian dreadnought, and then I cut the Gataxian prods for stifles. Okay. And, and the reasoning behind that is, uh, you know, dreadnought was a really, really popular deck a couple of years ago, just because of how powerful of interaction um, dreadnought plus stifle is. You get a twelve-twelve trampler for two mana and two cards, which is a pretty good trade-off if the tr- trampler sticks around. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Bob mentioned in his article, the reason why it's, it's the trump card in the blue-red and uh, blue-red matches, just because they have literally no way to deal with it. You can't lightning bolt it out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the reasoning is because Bug Delver's been pushed to the side by blue-red and blue-white-red. Uh, Abrupt Decay was at an all-time low, and Abrupt Decay is one of the real reasons why uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought hasn't been seeing play lately. Just because it's too easy for them, you know, you you get the perfect hand where you go Phyrexian Dreadnought Stifle, and then you have Days Force of Will Backup, and then they abrupt decay the Phyrexian Dreadnought, mm. and it's just a terrible feeling. So, uh, a lot of people who were really behind the Dreadnought plan got off of it after the printing of Abrupt Decay, mm-hmm. and now that Abrupt Decay is finally succeeding, you know, probably for the first time since it's been printed, mm-hmm. uh, people are comfortable picking it back up. Uh, the problem I ran into though was that. With, so the kind of progression of the metagame, blue-red was the best deck, which is what this deck preys on, but then blue-white-red came along to prey on blue-red, and blue-white-red's running Swords to Plowshares. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot fewer Abrupt Decays out, but there's a lot more Swords to Plowshares. Mm-hmm. It's still better because you can counter the Swords to Plowshares and you gain 12 life, which is nothing to scoff at. Yep. But the fact that it is still really easy to answer uh, wasn't the best, so... Uh, I only really connected with the Phyrexian Dreadnought once, and it won the game on the spot when I corrected, connected, but that was one game out of the, you know, 16 or so I played that day. Um, probably the play of the day, though, was I was playing against Reanimator, and I had uh, Delver and Tarmogoyf, and he was tapped out with a Grizzlebrand in play, and I knew he had the reanimation spell, and all he needed to do was tap out to get a Grizzlebrand, and just the Rug Delver deck just can't beat a Grizzlebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized by counting up and doing the math that if I cast Phyrexian Dreadnought, 
and did not stifle it and just let it die, mm-hmm. it would go to the graveyard and count as an artifact, ticking the Tarmogoyf up the one extra point I needed to swing for lethal. Hmm. So I uh, cast the Phyrexian Dreadnought, let it die, and swung in to win the game. Okay. So that was probably the best Phyrexian Dreadnought was all day. Uh, yeah, I was actually just going to ask you, did you... did? I know you, you know you just played it the one day. Did you did it get hit by a wear and tear at all? Uh, no, didn't see any wear and tears. Okay. I, I don't think people would really board it in unless they straight up lost the game to it. Game one. Um, a lot of times, I just felt the dreadnought was either dead in hand or just immediately ate a swords to plowshares. Okay, and I still top forward, but I feel I top forward because Rug Delver is such a strong, consistent deck that I won despite having these two dead cards in my deck. Oh, okay. The fact that Stifles are just still live against so many matchups, you know, Stifling, uh, Miracles, Triggers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously Stifling Lands, uh, Stifling the uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth out of Elves. Mm-hmm. It's just Stifles really good against a lot of matchups, um, so that's really good. Uh, but I think what I'm going to end up doing is I've been really impressed with Dak Faden. Mm-hmm. Dak Faden's been awesome with Treasure Cruise decks. Mm-hmm. I've been running the uh, Grixis, uh, Grixis Young Pyromancer Control deck online, yeah, and uh, it's such a such a blowout, well, absolute blowout. <laughs> I'm gl- I'm glad to hear it because after I put down blue, well. After I left Sunday, I was so upset. Uh, I decided I'd go home and, like, you know, now that I get the Snapcasters from me and stuff, that I'd actually try to sleeve up that um, Dak Fade and Grixis deck. Yeah, do it. I've been playing it all the time online. It's so much fun. I actually versed a mud deck last night. Let me tell you, Dak Faden versus mud is hilarious. And, <laughs> yeah, and I still want to. I still want to do a little bit of liquid metal coating, but I don't think I'm going to. At the, uh, I don't think this is the deck The fact that you're just powering through your deck. Like there were games where I was worried I was going to deck myself just because I was powering through my deck so quickly. Wow. Um, but the mud matchup was hilarious because for some reason my opponent was just playing into it. His strategy was keep playing artifacts until I minused my deck fade into death. Okay. But by that point I had stolen two lodestone golems and a uh, worm coil engine. <laughs> okay. So I don't really know what his end game was there, but <laughs> yeah, my, I, I won that. <laughs> yeah, my only other thought had been um, to. Uh, Start playing, you know, if I'm going to use Dak Faden with Liquid Metal Coating, I want to do something with a Goblin Welder. So if it's like, you know, if you have something that's on the board that's troubling me, like, mm-hmm. let's say seriously troubling me. I mean, like, one, you know, another thought was to make like things... Like Chalice of the Void. Even without the Liquid Metal Coating, I found that they, they played Chalice of the Void against me, and I, and I just realized, like, well, I can steal it, yeah. but it's still screwing me over. Exactly, exactly. Or, uh, you know, in some cases, a Null Rod. Right, you yeah, know, where exactly. I, I can't, I can't be playing with the Thopter Foundry because there's a Null Rod in play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I want something to sack outlet as, or you know, another because it's blue and red. The other thing I kind of thought about was being able to liquid metal coating and just start playing Energy Flux and make every, you know, slowly over time, every permanent on the board is going to ad- start adding two colors during my opponent's upkeep. Right, right. But. So yeah, I could see like a one of liquid metal coating just for cute, and also just in those cases where you just need to get rid of something. Yeah, yeah, and and I do. Uh, you know, part of me wants to go pick up a couple of the red commander decks just to start looking for um, some goblin welders. Yeah. Oh yeah, I actually I did that. I picked up the uh, red commander deck because I also want to run that uh, planeswalker in there because he goes great with Dak Faden too. Yeah, it's ready. 
Yeah, Doretti's awesome. So I picked up one of those. Um, I, I actually have one of the Goblin Welders if you want, because I like the old the old arts. Mm-hmm. I just paid I paid the extra three dollars to get the uh, Urza's uh, what is it? Urza's, yeah, Urza's Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Urza's Legacy versions. Mm. You know, like like your typical snobby <laughs> Legacy player, I want as many cards old border as possible. Yeah, to me it doesn't matter. You know, it's uh, but the other um. The other thing I actually did notice, and you know, for, for what it's worth, I was digging through the red, the red rares box, just to kind of mm-hmm. just to see if there was anything I could see in there that I'd want to play with Dak Faden. Um, there was a heat shimmer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So if if you wanted to get really cute, <laughs> where you got some of the red cards. Yeah, you got the uh, what's his name, Dual Caster Mage Heat Shimmer combo. Yep, yep. I kind of wish uh, Dual Caster Mage was modern legal because I feel that would be totally fine in modern. Like it's a six mana combo. It's no, it's no better or worse than uh, Kiki Jiki. It's it's okay. I have, in fact, it's probably worse. <laughs> I have to imagine like it can't be. All right, it. I don't want to say okay. I don't want to say it should be modern legal because I really don't play the format, but um, I, I don't see why dual caster mage couldn't be modern legal if snapcaster mage is. Right. I feel they were very very careful with dual caster because they, I think they were just terrified of a eight eight snapcaster deck <laughs> is what I think. Because <laughs> I also feel if it, you know dual caster mage is straight up worse than snapcaster. Mm-hmm. You know, snapcaster you can always play it later and still get the cards, whereas dual caster it's right now you have to do it and have that mana available. Mm-hmm. Plus, so not even that he's already worse in that regards. He costs one more than snapcaster mage, yeah. which is just another tick against him. So it was like a double nerfed uh, snapcaster mage that they they really didn't need to do. But I can see where they were coming from just. Because we already have Snapcaster, we can't make this another Snapcaster in red. Right, at a, at a point in time when the blue-red decks are just chewing everything up anyway. Yeah, that too. I mean, they probably didn't foresee that. No. Or if they, if they did, who knows what uh, you know magic crystal balls they have at Wizards of the Coast. But um, they they were definitely afraid of that. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do wish he was modern legal just because he's just not quite good enough for Legacy. You don't I think guess so. that's why we have Commander. <laughs> nah. I mean, Snapcaster itself is already not seeing that much play. Like, the decks he is seeing, especially with, um, uh, what is it, uh, Delve, Snapcaster's been going way down. Mm-hmm. So if Snapcaster's not seeing that much play, I doubt Dualcaster will see any play. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. You're valid. Uh, um, I mean, it does get around the delve dilemma of you exiling all the cards in your graveyard, but it's still so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, to get to to double your bolt, you have to have four mana up. And what aggressive deck ever has four mana? Mm. And then the bigger decks, which are casting the more expensive bigger cards, where you would have that access to more mana. It's like, why would you really need to double your card that says win the game? Like, why do you need to double your show and tell? Right. Um, so the only instance where I really like it is with the uh, the fire blast example, where you can <laughs> you can float the mana, sack the mountains to fire blast, use the mana to cast uh, dual caster to copy it. But I feel that's just too narrow. Yeah, but that seems so cheap. I mean, you'd be able to do that's what eight point eight points alone on turn yeah, three. Yeah, eight points eight points for uh, three mana. With that's it, pretty good. And it's going to be two damage following the turn after that if if it's like an open miracles board, right? 
Right, right. I mean, it's definitely game-winning, but burn just... I mean, what are you cutting in order to have that? Yeah, and I'm not familiar with a burn deck, so I wouldn't know against, like... Yeah, I mean, they would have to cut, like, Eidolon or Goblin Guide, two of the best, you know, red creatures ever printed. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess that's why there is Commander, because there, <laughs> Commander's the set for those cards that are just not quite good enough for Legacy. Mm. So, so what do you, uh... What are you working on currently? You got your own brew you're working on? Um, yeah, I'm working actually on a uh, Grixis Welder list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been working on it for a while now. Yeah. Actually, I have the deck list here. Uh, four Goblin Welder, two Painter Servant, uh, one Inkwell Leviathan, one Sphinx of the Steel Winds, one Worm Coil Engine, four Baleful Strix, two Dak Faden, one Doretti, one Tezzeret Agent of Bolas, uh, one Intuition, two Entomb, four Force of Will, four Brainstorm, uh, four Pyroblast, because that's awesome with Painter Servant. Oh, uh, yeah, one, okay. Yep, yeah, one Ensnaring Bridge, one Top, one Crucible of Worlds, one Grindstone, one Engineered Explosives, one Thopter Foundry, one Sword of the Meek, and then for Mana Bases, I have uh, four Mox Diamond, which is uh, the Crucible of Worlds comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, playing those over and over again And then the artifact lands So I can sack them to Goblin Welder And then just play them again to sack them again So what's what's the main win condition you're working on? Is it like Painter Servant? Uh, there's a bunch of So it has the Thopter Foundry win condition Okay uh, I can also just Welder in or Doretti in a Inkwell Leviathan Or Sphinx of the Steel Wind or Worm Coil Engine To beat them down That's pretty fucking good Yep, <laughs> that's pretty good Plus, you know, I also have Entomb Uh Goblin Welder. Then I also have the Painter Servant win condition, where if for whatever reason I can't attack or something, I can just Painter Servant them out. Mm-hmm. So the deck has uh, three different win conditions that all kind of attack from a different angle, mm-hmm. going wide with tokens, swinging in with giant creatures, or comboing them out with Painter Servant uh, Grindstone. Mm-hmm. And then it just assembles all the pieces. The, the thing the deck is weak to, though, is Graveyard Hate. Um, because if you drop a... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, rest in peace against me. Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult for me to win out. Um, I basically have to start hard casting sphinxes and worm coils. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also just tezzeret them out, but with only one tezzeret, it's pretty rough. So I kind of do like your idea of adding one uh, liquid metal coating to steal with Dak Faden, and, and then uh, to uh, Goblin Welder. Welder yeah, yeah, Goblin Welder out. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I just love that it's, you know, there's so many one-ofs in the deck because it's a toolbox deck with Entomb and Intuition and then putting it in the graveyard and then uh, Welder or Doretti them into play or even just back fade and just drawing cards, pitching them into your graveyard, sacking artifact lands to bring them back with Goblin Welder and then recasting the artifact lands off of Crucible of Worlds. Okay. Hey, so I actually, I got a, I got a question for you because you probably know this, uh, you may know this off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was telling you about, you know, the kid next door. That uh, plays magic also, yep. and he was, you know, he would, we were talking a little bit the other day about some cards and interactions and stuff. And one of the, you know, him and his buddy were outside, and one of them mentioned, and I forgot about it because I was talking about liquid metal coating um, with Dak Faden, and they mentioned a card that I had heard about and forgot it actually even existed. But do you know the casting cost of Mycosynth Lattice? Oh, Michael's, because um, that just makes everything an artifact. Yeah. <sighs> So, Mycosynth Golem is 11, and that 
makes everything an artifact, but it's attached to like a Seven Eleven body or something like that. No, no, no. I it's, think it's, no, no. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I think Mycosynth Lattice is five. Um, it's six. I was close. Okay, it's sixteen dollars though. That I was not aware <laughs> of. <laughs> Dear God. Okay. <laughs> Just everything from Mirrodin is so expensive. Huh. <laughs> Original Mirrod, Mirrodin, that is. What was uh, so yeah, six colorless. All permanents are artifacts. All cards that aren't in play are colorless. Players may spend mana as though they were a mana of any color. That was the deficit to it, was the mana stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than that, it, it's cute, like, paint a servant type of thing, but I wouldn't want to... That's like fixing the mana against a bug deck. <laughs> no. Yeah, the fact that it, it, it fixes your opponent's mana... Yeah. Um... Isn't the best, but uh, it also shuts off uh, Painter Servant because Painter Servant actually has to be a color. It can't uh, be colorless for a grindstone to work because it needs to share a color, and colorless isn't a color. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. all right, but but then it's just—I mean—that's the same layer, right? So it just comes down to timestamp then. Uh, no, it's just it. Uh, oh, you mean as far as if you play Microsynth Lattice and then you play uh, Painter Servant? Well, one way or the other. One's going to take precedence over yeah, the other. Yeah, one way or the other. Um, possibly, I mean, uh, that's when I raise my hand and shall judge. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure. Humility and Painter Servant, they'll interact on different layers as far as, right. you know, but um, where these two actually would act on the same layer, I think it actually, that's when it goes to a timestamp. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to check. But even so, even if it is timestamp, you're kind of risking um, shutting yourself out if you draw them in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. If you're on a, if you're on a painter servant, um, yeah. Base. Oh, also, Mycosynth Golem does something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mycosynth Golem gives artifact creatures uh, affinity for artifacts. That's what it does. Oh, so I could cast my painter servant for free if I paid eleven for this golem. Yeah, uh, well, it has affinity for artifacts itself. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> that being said, it is definitely not <laughs> legacy playable. Oh man, so so you're working on a deck, fading deck. I'm actually, you know, since we're, I mean we're casting a little early tonight. I know you got your um, you got a Christmas party to go to. And oh yeah. So that actually, I'm 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 a little excited because after that blue white land still uh, terror. Um, I figure I'll I'd come home, get this uh, deck fading deck together. And then go to one of the two stores that's doing Legacy tonight, and oh, there you and go. get a chance yeah, to play if I'm not going to cast. And then I can see if I don't like that or if I want to do something else. I have another idea for what I want to play this coming Sunday, so it uh, gives me a little bit of extra time to play some more Legacy. Yep. And uh, I'm I want to take I want to take what I've heard and learned about this deck as I go play it. I probably. You know, after after Sunday, I'm thinking I should probably just stick with uh, Painter, uh, not Painter, Patriot Stoneblade for a little bit. The other, I was actually also debating going and trying. Uh, what, what the hell is that? Deathblade? It looks like it looks like Esper. Esper. Yeah. Esper Deathblade. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically just uh, just Esper added. splashing uh, green for Deathrite Shaman, just so you can does you know get those activations in. It does. It doesn't even splash green. It does. It, is it just? Yeah. It's just it runs playing like Deathrite for ramp. 
it, it, it it's mostly there for ramp and for uh, ticking down your opponent, but they do add a bayou and sometimes also a tropical island just to have access to green uh, because it makes the engineered explosives be able to tick up to four, hmm. and also sometimes you just really want that green against you know the blue red deck where you need to gain that life. So that's and that's that's part of the attraction to me is I haven't played Jason Liliana together since I was playing Shardless Bug. And I, oh, yeah. I want to play Jason Liliana together, and I want to be able to use Academy Ruins with Engineered Explosives. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that might be a good deck to go with on it. And it's because it, it would still allow me to play, um, you know, Thopter Foundry with Sword of the Meek, and, mm-hmm. and still access Enlightened Tutors if I wanted to. Um, but I think, I think, I, I think if I played two Thopter Foundries, Stoneforge Mystic could grab me Sword of the Meek if I want. And then I could just activate Liliana. Uh, to discard it and then, you know, sack an artifact to draw a card, uh, to bring the Sword of the Meek back, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, to, I'm curious to play around with it a little bit. Um, I miss playing Jason Liliana together. Yeah, I've done that too. The only thing I feel is it's hard. The Thopter Foundry just doesn't, never seems to come together for me in that build just because your artifact count is really low. Uh, unless you are also running, you know, Sensei's Divining Tops or something like that, the only other artifact you have to get it running is uh, the Engineered Explosives, and usually you just want that, uh, you know, doing what it's doing already. Sure. And you you definitely don't want to be sacking your Batter Skull off of uh, Stoneforge Mystic with it either. No, but I mean, like in, in a deck where I'm already thinking about using Academy Ruins anyway, I mean, I don't know if you, were you using Academy Ruins when you were doing that? Yeah, I was using Academy Ruins okay. um, it, just getting the the you know the infinite engineered explosives when it works is really fun too. Okay, well, <laughs> fun for you, not fun for your opponent. Right, and being able to hit um, four colors with a death ray shaman if you want to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, definitely try it out. I just personal experience for me, it it just it it always it never seemed to come together for me. Mm. My other thoughts were going and trying out a like a rug a rug cascade build. Yeah, where I could use yeah, the right. Bloodbraid and, and Shardless Agent. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm surprised those haven't been ta- uh, cropping up more. Um, probably same reason why Shardless Bug and Pant have been on the downswing. Just Treasure Cruises are better ancestral visions. But uh, I definitely think the Shardless cards have have room to come back into the meta. You know what? I'm actually, and maybe maybe that's what those Maverick decks that we were talking about earlier. Is there mm-hmm. is there an increase like with with uh, Dig Through Time? And with um, treasure cruises, there an, like an influx in what Gaddic Teague? Uh, yeah, Gaddic Teague is definitely getting. Yeah, I just noticed he's running two Gaddic Teagues main okay. in the Maverick list. Okay, the David David McDarvey list. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Good call. Because I mean, that's uh, yeah, Gaddic Teague's awesome against those cards. Well, yeah, I mean, against Dig Through Time, against I mean. Show and tell would stick, but they can't enter into the infinite. They'd have to, you know, cunning wish and bounce it, and, um, which is always possible. It's just, yeah. uh. Also, David McDarby isn't doing it, but I've noticed a lot of the Maverick lists and also some resurging zoo lists are running hooting mandrills. Really? Uh, which is, yeah, the Delve card from <laughs> the, the forgotten Delve card. Oh, he's, he's not forgotten, but I only see him in like sealed and stuff. Wow. Oh yeah, I actually just picked up a place out of foil ones. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, little <laughs> little uh, finance one hundred one on the side. Uh, there's been a run on them uh, online, foil hooting mandrills, because a lot of people are experimenting with them in Legacy, and of course, Legacy players love their foils. 
So yeah, just, just look at foil foiled treasure cruises twenty bucks now. All right, so that's one green, five colorless delve five five trample. No, it's a four four uh, trample. It's a four four trample, but still five delve is nothing. So it basically sure. it's it's basically a one mana tarmogoyf with trample. But doesn't Tombstalker fly? Tombstalker flies, but Tombstalker costs uh, two more. Oh, is it, is it a black and seven? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a uh, no, it's two black and six. Oh, geez. yeah. So, yeah, Tombstalker's harder to cast. Um, it's also black. It, so this is kind of going in the Maverick builds and in the Zoo builds that don't run black. Um, and I suppose the that, I suppose in most cases that actually could just block a Tarmogoyf. Yeah, the the problem with Tombstalker is the majority of decks running black are also running blue, and when you choose between Tombstalker and Treasure Cruise, the clear winner is Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Whereas Hooting Mandrill's advantages is a lot of green decks aren't running blue. A lot of the fair decks like uh, Maverick and Zoo and Jund and all these other decks running uh, uh, green aren't really all running blue too because they are usually the decks people turn to when they don't want to bind blue duel. And force of wills. Hmm. hmm. Hooting mandrills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. you know what else? You know what else is? I came home um, the other day, and it was it was kind of funny because you know every once in a while Lita wants to play a game, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got this little there's a tile game called Rummy Code that she likes. It's like playing Rummy, and uh, she won't play Magic with me. Like she won't do the Legacy with me. Definitely. And, yeah. and um, so I said, well, why don't we try this? Because, you know, I, I'll draft with my son and do sealed with my son and stuff. So I have one of these uh, holiday gift boxes that, you know, the wizard sells. And it's, like, now full of cons of Tarkir, commons and uncommons. So I said, why don't we do this? My buddy Jerry was telling me about this. And I laid out nine stacks, and we started to do a grid draft. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and I figured that way, she, you know, the, 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 the power level's not going to be so intense. It's not going to be too intimidating. And we get to, like, you know, we there's the game of drafting, then there's the game of building, then there's the game that we're playing. A couple of days later, we <laughs> yeah. can do something else, but it's spending time together. And I'm thinking at this Something th- only gamers understand. <laughs> and and I'm, th- I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, and if she gets used to these commons and uncommons, we can go do sealed, and she can see what she thinks about actually playing and something like that, too. And maybe have some fun. And yeah, that's awesome. So, and I'm explaining to her as we're doing the grid draft. Well, you're going to want this card, and and that card is is once you take that card, look for cards like this. So she got a Raiders spoils and just stomped me with a Warriors deck. <laughs> so I think she liked playing it, uh, yeah. but it was. It's always good to win your first time. Well, that's that's a key key trait of uh, getting hooked on the game is winning your first match. Yeah, but it was it was pretty cool because you know she was like, well, what about those hundred card things? Because you know I had some commander decks from the past, and she liked playing them and stuff. But like I got it for the true name nemesis, and I got it, for, you yeah. know. But like I, I've had them, and then I sold them. You know, I, I broke them apart and got rid of them because there was only a couple of cards, and I wanted, and we're not playing at the house, so I might as well get rid of them. Same thing with the plane chase. Um, I got rid of most of that stuff. The only things I actually kept were the shardless agents, and I think the baleful strix at the time. You know, like this. Uh, so I, I'll get these external products, and we'll play a little bit, and then she doesn't play with me, and I get bored of looking at them, so I, I just I'll trade them out or whatever, and then. Um, you know, I'll keep whatever single it was that I was originally looking for anyway. So, mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, like, should I go get the Red Commander deck? Because I want the Goblin Welder anyway. We could play a little bit and then uh, sell it. Because the other, you know, I know the the even the Commander Elf deck actually looks good. But because I have an Elf deck together, I do. I always liked playing Priest of Titania anyway because it's so good in a mirror match. 
Right. I also kind of want the white one just for the containment priest. And of course, right. The containment priest is almost as expensive as the the deck itself. Mm-hmm. Like the the deck is selling for you know thirty five dollars at Target and Walmart, and a lot of places online are selling containment priests for twenty five thirty bucks. Yeah, and it was the same with True Name Nemesis. I mean, the True Name Nemesis was actually more expensive than the deck was when it came out. Yeah, that's just because True Name Nemesis was main deck, whereas containment priest is just a really good sideboard card. Sure, and the other thing that I actually have, you know, I went the other day noticing. I don't know. It, maybe the price is different regionally. I mean, you're not that far away from me, but I, I noticed Walmart had all of the commander decks at thirty. Yeah, I noticed that too because I remember the commander decks being thirty dollars, and I was surprised when Target was selling them all at thirty-five. Oh, it's Target at thirty-five. Yeah, so I wonder if that's just like regular old inflation. Target trying to boost boost the prices up a little bit. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I was like I said, I was on my way back, and then I. And I kind of, oh man, and I was thinking about it too, you know, the kid next door, when we went down to Ice Imports, he sold them a bunch of cards to get store credit and then left for, um, he left with a red commander deck. He wanted a red commander yeah, deck. Yeah, that was painful. And I, <laughs> that I was thinking painful. like, he said he got $55 for it. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, and I told him, I'm like, we could just stop at Walmart on the way back. And then I noticed Walmart had him for 30 and I'm like, oh, I should have just picked him up one because like, like he traded in a couple of fetches, two celestial colonnades plus. You know, and yeah, like I don't, yeah. I don't play a lot of modern. But if I did, Celestial Colonnades would be pretty, pretty good. You know, it'd be pretty fun because yep. you know at this point, like if I play modern, it's either going to be warrior-based elves or Gorio's Vengeance, something I'm not where I don't have to be too invested in the format. But the deck that obviously does look fun to play is what um, what Scotty's been doing for a while now is that uh, Geist, the Geist deck. Oh, Team Geist, yeah, definitely. So I mean, it's you know, it's not a format I'm terribly interested in. Um, but where you know the cards he traded in to pick up the red commander deck, I I could have yeah. I, I could have just bought him the red <laughs> commander deck and and he could have kept half the cards anyway. But that yeah, it was supply and demand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know the the funny thing was when I when I stopped at the store, they had all the commander decks except for the white one. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. I I kind of am because it seems like every is is the white one that's. At, all right, so at the LGSs that you, that you go to, the white the white one has the containment priest. But is the white one the most expensive? I thought the red one was the no, one that people would the, charge the most for. Right, the red one's the one people charge the most for because it can uh, commander players. Uh-huh. Um, so commander player like overall value, the red one has the most just because it has Vermicoil engine. Right, uh, Duretti's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. The welders an extra five bucks there. Yeah, dual caster mage. Plus, there's a bunch of random portal cards that are expensive that were in that. But the tournament players, the ones who are, you know, I need this card now, so they're running down to every target Walmart they come across trying to find the deck. The they're the ones getting a containment priest, so they're the ones running out to the targets and getting them. Okay. Whereas the commander players are just like, I'll pick it up oh, whenever. T- yeah, I'll pick it up whenever, and I just happen to be at the local shop now, so I'll just grab it now. Okay. All right. I guess that I guess that makes sense because you know, as much as I want the goblin welder, I'm not running to get a $30 commander deck for a $4 card. Right, right. Like, the white one, even though the red one was more expensive, the white one was selling for $50 at the GP, mm-hmm. whereas the the red one was still selling for, like, $40. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, if you go to an LGS, you know, the red one's still selling for $40, $50, and the white one's down to $35. Mm-hmm. And that's really... You know, and I... I, I it's 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 how can I put it? It's too bad it doesn't feel like the cards are diversified well enough because you know for me and Lita to play and and have my son set in too. Of course I want Goblin Welders, but I'm not going to pick up three red decks. That's going to be shitty to play at the table. 
You know, like, because, like, yeah. the, I think the, you know, one of the things about containment priests is when somebody activates Goblin Welder to bring back Worm Coil Engine, sure, there's an answer to that in another deck. But if it's a mirror match, there's no answer. You're just sitting there both doing the same thing if you happen yeah. to see a Worm Coil Engine yet. Exactly. And and it didn't seem like there was anything in the black deck or the blue deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's their own kind of microcosm rock, paper, scissors, shoot environment. Okay. Where, depending on which decks you pick up, I mean, that's that's the ideal for wizards, right? In order to avoid that from happening, you just need to pick up all five. Right, right. I mean, have you noticed anything <laughs> in the black or blue decks that's actually getting play? No, black and blue are definitely the most boring. Okay. Uh, the green one has the uh, priest, uh, what is it? Uh, Priest yeah. Titania, Priest of Aragorn. Yep. Um, those I want to pick up too, but I don't really want to drop, you know, like $15 for them. Right. Um, those are interesting. Plus, it's just chock full of elves deck, so every person trying to put together elves who ke- still can't afford uh, Gaia's Cradles but still want to try and live the dream, mm-hmm. uh, myself included, could uh, pick that up and get a bunch of elves that they needed. Hmm. Now, that you, now that you say it, you reminded me of something else. I did just recently see... Um, I wanna, I wanna look this up for a second. I'm, I'm already in advanced search, so it shouldn't be bad. I, I saw a deck list the other day that had me, um, very, uh, yeah, uh, black, blue, green, land still. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that too. For, it's pretty interesting, right? With Kiora. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I I was going through just like looking up different type landstill sort of things and I'm like somebody actually played Kiora. Yeah, in Legacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Ralph Zarek on the field in Legacy too. I mean, pretty much almost almost any planeswalker is playable in uh, Legacy. Yeah, and, and not, so, not you, Tibble. You sit yeah, down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep, you know, I, and I, I bring that up because every time I see the green commander deck, I look at the green planeswalker, and I keep mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, can I? I know, I know, it's not the best place in an elf deck. Like that's there's plenty of better cards for an elf deck, but could I get away with something like that? Yeah, I feel I, I almost wonder what a kind of a alternate reality would be where Glimpse of Nature was never printed and Elves stayed as a fair deck <laughs> because I <laughs> like because when I first started playing Elves was still kind of a a very good deck but it didn't have Glimpse of Nature yeah. so it was it was pretty much just like I'm gonna play a million dudes and overwhelm you and you're never gonna be able to kill me because I have Well Wisher Wirewood Symbiote uh, or not Well Wirewood Symbiote what's the untap one um, not Quarian Ranger. Yeah, it's Quarian Ranger. Okay. Quarian Ranger is the untapped one. So I have Well Wisher Quarian Ranger, and I'm going to have 3,000 life, and you're never going to be able to kill me, and you better have Wrath of God. <laughs> That's what Elves was when I first started playing. Yeah, I, I'm, and that was, that was part of what I was thinking about that Esper Deathblade is I, I, like, with all the elf decks that I just ran into, I just wanted to be playing Perish and Hibernation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been, like, um, uh, Parish is good because it also gets Tarmogoyf, mm-hmm. uh, but I almost like uh, Toxic Deluge better in those situations because it also is more versatile because it can get True Name Nemesis and in a pinch it gets bigger things. Yeah, I have I have Toxic Deluge to Emrakul before. Mm-hmm. That was an achieve, achievement unlocked. And, yeah, and you mentioned <laughs> you did mention the painful Toxic Deluge to get rid of um, Rurikthar. Uh, Rurikthar, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, even in that situation, Parish is better because you don't have to pay the te- uh, six life mm-hmm. um, to, for the Toxic Deluge. But I just think Toxic Deluge has a broader range, so it, it's worth it sometimes. Mm. Um, I'm actually surprised that Bug uh, Delver Dicks 
deck uh, didn't run Toxic Deluge because Toxic Deluge plus uh, Death Shadow is value. Oh, jeez, yeah. Wipe, wipe the board, drop a 12-12. Yeah, and, and I suppose, I mean, you could even get away with that in the same turn if yeah. you needed to and, and just have... Yeah, well, yeah. Even if even if there's no board, just to be able to get rid of your life as fast as you want. Yep, exactly. If they're if they have no grip, mm-hmm. and you you know you can just get that twelve twelve and swing in for the win. Yeah, that sounds pretty beautiful. Yeah. So I think you got your Christmas party. You got to go to right. Yep, I do have to run. All right, let's uh, let's go into top eight for a minute. Top eight pairings have been posted. So, who would you like to scoop into top eight, Jerry? Uh, I'm going to scoop in the company I work for, even though I cannot name them <laughs> due to the non-disclosure agreements I have signed. Ah. <laughs> I will still, <laughs> yep, yeah, the world of finance, yeah. but uh, I will still scoop them in for dropping a quarter of a million dollars on this party for us. Wow, that sounds pretty slick. And uh, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to scoop you into top eight for uh, taking the time <laughs> to taking the time away from the party to join me. Oh, thanks, Adrian. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Well, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I know it was a little bit short this week and last week because of uh, some technical difficulties. It was a little bit short too, but promise we'll have a full length feature match for you uh, next week when we record. Did you uh, have you gotten the chance to use the splitter at all yet? I have, I have. I'm catching up on my podcast. I'm almost up to date now. Nice, that's uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Sweet. All right, Jerry. I'll. I guess I'll see you Sunday. Yeah, see you Sunday, man. All right, and we'll catch the rest of you guys later on. Take it easy. Have a good one. The tournament is over and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com. You can also find the host on Twitter with Adrian at Mathema Trickster and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected. 